0: You're the master of cutlery. You can't throw a knife sometimes. No, I when can't to Are you, kill Oh, me. You can't uh, use a rake sometimes. No, I'm the shovel. Well, I'm the blue rajah. I'm not a stab man. I'm not knifey boy. I'm the blue rajah. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And, uh, I I feel like I can't start every episode by going, oh, boy. Hey, Max. Yeah?
1: You ready to talk about a hook episode?
0: (sighs) Okay, not just that it's a hook episode, which, uh, it's a hook episode, but it's a hook episode where they took basically a whole season's worth of plots and tried to stuff them into a single episode.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, they took the season that should have been an Agrabah season and condensed it all down into one episode. But also, I feel like I sarcastically say, hey, you are ready to talk about a Hook episode? Like, every other week. We don't need so many Hook episodes. Once Upon a Time is vastly overestimating how interested I am in what's going on with Hook.
0: Mm. And... Underestimating how much I would have enjoyed seeing an entire season of Aladdin and Jasmine. Right? I feel like this episode ruins my enjoyment of those characters because it needs to condense an entire season's worth of arcs into a single episode, which makes this whole thing feel really rushed and unfulfilling.
1: So let's just talk about this now. Ariel is in this episode. Mm. Ariel runs into Jasmine and Agrabah. And that makes sense because in the Ariel episode, Eric told her he was going off to Agrabah and she didn't follow him. And then the rest of the Ariel story happened. So this takes place somewhere in that time when she had legs and she was trying to find Eric. Mm. So many times in this show, in the last five and a half seasons, characters have used Agrabah as a place. Like, like, whatever distant event they were talking about or going to was happening in Agraba because Agraba
0: viper venom being the poison from a far-off land the
1: genie of Agraba but the reason the show used Agraba is because it is a fictional land that is named that's not the enchanted forest so it was just a really convenient thing to throw out hmm. an Agraba season where all of those things coalesced and came together would have been so good
0: this also sort of ties into an issue we're having with the last story arc of main Once Upon a Time, not soft reboot Once Upon a Time, which is we've gone through about four big bads.
1: Yeah, listeners, were you aware Gideon's still around? Because he is.
0: Okay, so we started the season with Ono oh Hyde, but also maybe Jafar, except actually Gideon, but Oh No the Black Fairy.
1: Wait, don't forget the Evil Queen.
0: Oh, yeah, and the Evil Queen. Five big bads. Five big bads in one season. Which means that you don't get fulfilling resolution with any of them.
1: No, okay, so Jafar should have been the villain of his own season. The Evil Queen was defeated by talking. They used their words.
0: Hyde just got stabbed through the chest through his soul connection.
1: Yep, Hyde got early surprise killed. Also, don't forget... You should add a sixth big bad there, because it turns out Hyde wasn't the big bad at all. It was Jekyll the whole time.
0: Right. So issues. There there are issues with this.
1: There is a plotting issue with this season. Yes, it is not well structured.
0: And the thing is, if they were trying to do this like a gauntlet, like the... Uh,
1: like the last season of Buffy.
0: Like the last season of Buffy, or like... Uh, I keep going superheroes, the original concept behind the Sinister Six, which is everyone faces Spider-Man one right after the other. So, you know, eventually one of them will get him or what Bane set up in the uh, prelude to Nightfall, where he organizes a mass breakout of Arkham so he can keep Batman super busy because Bane used to be the, you know, smart planning guy, not just the guy who used magical steroids.
1: Okay, he was just the guy who used magical steroids in batman and robin but i think he was the smart planning guy again in the christopher nolan batman movies
0: yeah they did bring him back to that although he also had a little bit of a up oh, surprise it was actually that lady that batman's sleeping with in this uh movie she she was actually the real big bad he was just her henchperson he was the face of her henchperson organization remember that yeah talia gul yeah
1: i have no problem with that twist
0: I think that the Christopher Nolan Batman movies might be a little bit, uh, overpraised. I just
1: want to say the best thing about the Christopher Nolan Batman movies is obviously Catwoman.
0: Yeah, obviously. Should have been introduced earlier. People hate on Anne Hathaway for no reason. Once upon a time. I
1: love her. She's... I love her and I, I am immediately suspicious of anyone who hates on her. It, it, I, I will I will fight to protect her.
0: There's no reason for it.
1: It's because she's a woman who comes off as trying, right? Mm. Women aren't supposed to try. They're supposed to be effortless. And she's so poised that people are like, oh, she must be cold. And she's trying too hard. And I want someone like Jennifer Lawrence, who, by the way, I also love, who trips coming up the stage on her way to accept her Oscar.
0: That doesn't feel a little performative to you?
1: Yeah, that's what it is to be a woman, Max. (laughs) Welcome to the hell of being a woman. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about Once Upon a Time.
0: Yes, Once Upon a Time. You can tell this is a good episode because we've been talking for like 10 minutes before the opening. uh, Before the recap even. Okay, so as a reminder, uh, Aladdin is a genie now and Jasmine has his genie lamp. She's using her first wish.
1: Yes, first wish.
0: First wish to uh, teleport to Agrabah, which is missing. She's trying to find Agrabah.
1: And also last episode, Hook came clean to Emma that he had killed David's dad, and then went down to the Nautilus to run off, but then decided at the last second not to be a coward and run off, but then it turns out it was too late because Gideon showed up to send the Nautilus away so that Hook would not interfere in his plans, because y'all, if there's one thing I worry about, it's Hook interfering with my plans.
0: Seriously. So, the episode opens with Emma telling David that Hook killed David's dad.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it does.
0: And David is super betrayed by this.
1: We come in mid-conversation with David like, how dare he?
0: And Emma says, I hoped I wouldn't have to tell you this.
1: She didn't have to tell him.
0: Yeah. And David's like, I can't believe Hook didn't have the balls to tell me himself. How dare he? We were having bro time. Bro time.
1: I thought we were becoming bros. But no. And David wants to know why Hook doesn't have the guts to face him himself. And Emma tells him that Hook has left town. Hook's gone. No more Hook.
0: Hilariously, the reason she knows this is because Leroy saw him get on the Nautilus and then it sailed away.
1: Leroy is always there to see things in the background and deliver terrible news.
0: Yeah, he was the one who saw the evil queen get turned into a snake that one time she got turned into a snake. Yeah. He's the witness. Yes. So apparently the uh, Nautilus was not prepared to be mystically sent on its merry way by Gideon because it is freaking the fuck out.
1: Yeah, I guess it has the bends. Can ships get the bends?
0: I can see we're mystically being forced to go... Somewhere you're not prepared to go can fuck with just, like, a really massive shift in pressure could definitely fuck up a ship.
1: Yeah, okay, that makes sense. The ship, by the way, we learn, can portal between realms. This is a thing we have not heard before, isn't it?
0: I don't think we have, although I wouldn't be surprised. We know that Captain Nemo's ship sails wherever there is man pain.
1: Yes, he has a magical compass that brings him to sad men- so that he can find this- actually, you know what, we're starting to say this all mockingly, but legit, this is a good thing. Like, Nemo has a toxic masculinity detector, which he uses to go find toxic men and, like, detoxify them.
0: Yeah, he, he has a therapy vessel.
1: I mean, so maybe we shouldn't say this so mockingly, maybe this is actually a pretty good thing.
0: I mean, it is a good thing, it's just a little bit- it's a little bit of a ridiculous life mission- like, it is a good, necessary life mission, but it's a little bit ridiculous. So... Uh,
1: I guess. Now, we're just going to bring this up now because otherwise it's confusing and we'll have to say it every time the Nautilus makes an appearance this episode. But in this episode, we only see Nemo, Hook, and Hook's brother, who is also on Nemo's crew. Good Liam. Good Liam. GL presumably there is a rest of the crew?
0: The rest of the crew gets mentioned. They are mentioned. We don't see them, but presumably they are there.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, Nemo informs Hook that this crossing into the Enchanted Forest has used up all of the kraken's blood which is what they used to cross dimensions and now they can't go home
0: which is different from squid ink which paralyzes magical creatures
1: i have no yes i have no issue with that kraken's blood is a completely different thing than squid ink
0: so can kraken's just travel between realms all willy-nilly then mermaids can true huh
1: so i yeah i wouldn't be surprised if they could
0: Okay, so Hook starts yelling at Liam and uh, Nemo to bring him back to Storybrooke because he knows that the Nautilus can traverse realms and they're like, sorry, we're out of Kraken's blood. And he's like, sorry isn't good enough. It's not their fault, dude.
1: If anything, this is your fault. You're the one who brought Gideon down on them. Also, they can't just go get more Kraken's blood, especially because Nemo says he spent his whole life avoiding the Kraken.
0: Then how did you get Kraken pulled in the first place? Right? I guess he probably bought it. I bet mermaids sell it. You know, if there's capitalist mermaids out there.
1: Okay. I want the show about the hardcore mermaid team that goes out and hunts krakens to sell to sail to to sell their magical pieces to sailors. Yeah. Someone write that.
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, you could do a whole bunch of stuff with Mermaid Merchants. Merchants. Don't do that. Merchants. So, after the credits, we cut to Aladdin and Jasmine, who got teleported to the Enchanted Forest for, I think, literally no goddamn reason.
1: Yeah, literally no reason, especially considering how this ends.
0: So, Aladdin's complaining because it is winter in the Enchanted Forest, and he's like, look, I just i i survived maine but i was assuming once we went back to an enchanted place it would be like deserty. that's really more my style plus i'm not dressed for this
1: i don't know why she doesn't just put him back in the lamp i mean putting him back in the lamp without his permission would not be okay but i don't know why he doesn't want to just go back in the lamp
0: true aladdin's a little bit of a jerk in this episode but a lot of it is necessary jerkiness to get the plot moving forward you
1: know i don't actually think he's even really being a jerk he's like look obviously we're in the enchanted forest because agrabah is gone let's go back to storybrook and build a life there and that's not the worst thing to present to her
0: it's more the bit that's coming up because he does he's like look the wishbrot is here Agrabah's not here we should just go set up a life back in storybrook and she's like no i owe it to my people and he's like eh, do you and then he kind of i don't want to say he calls her out but he's like look there's something kind of going on between us but i don't want to be trapped in this relationship nether zone like either, are are we dating are we not dating we keep almost kissing i need to know what's going on and he and jasmine's like uh no i don't want to talk about this while my kingdom's missing and he's like your kingdom's been missing for thousands of years hundreds of years possibly just decades but he kind of she turns away from him, and he grabs her wrist, which is aggressively not a cool thing to do, but I literally think it only happens so a ring will fall out of her pocket.
1: Yes. Okay, so number one, there is nothing wrong with asking your partner to have the Define the Relationship discussion. If it's anything, Jasmine is at fault for not being willing to have the Define the Relationship discussion.
0: Especially because apparently they've just been wandering around these woods for like three days.
1: Yes. Also, you're right. It's not cool to just grab someone's wrist like he does. But as you said, it was necessary to make the ring fall out of her pocket.
0: Again, this... that
1: doesn't even make sense. Show. you know, it would make sense if she pulled the lamp out of her pocket to put him back in it at his request, because consent is important. Mm. And then the ring fell out.
0: That's a lot of the issue with this episode is that things happen to make things happen, but the things that are happening to make those things happen don't really make sense. It's like something needs to happen to get from point A to point B, but what starts at point A wouldn't naturally lead to point B.
1: Exactly.
0: If you're starting at the idea of getting something to point B, there are better ways to get to point B.
1: Yes. So the ring. The ring is a large jewel... That Jasmine did not have before the Wish And according to Jasmine The Wish put it in her pocket To remind her of how she failed Agrabah And of course to send her into a flashback
0: She sees a boat Which sends her into the flashback Because the boat reminds her of what she needs to do
1: You're right that she looks at the boat and says she knows what she needs to do, but the flashback literally focuses on the ring, so I'm pretty sure it's the ring, not the rowboat that sends her into a flashback.
0: Point. The rowboat's probably just setting up the next bit, which I also don't get what she's doing in the next bit with the stupid boat, but...
1: Anyway, in the next bit, we are in Agrabah many years ago.
0: This is after Aladdin's become the savior and he's had his first encounter with Jasmine. But before everything that goes down that sends her to the land of untold stories. Before Agrabah goes missing, basically. Because we are in Agrabah where the sultan is trying to marry her off to a table of princes.
1: Well, to one of the princes at the table.
0: Yes. He is assembled... A table full of princes for her to choose. So she can, you know, handily reject them all in one fell swoop.
1: They needed to make it easy for her because this Princess Jasmine does not have a tiger.
0: Mm.
1: Even though Prince Ahmed is at this table. By the way, everyone talking about the new movie is talking about how terrible blue genie Will Smith looks. Mm -hmm. And nobody is talking about the fact that Prince Ahmed has been replaced by some white dude.
0: Yeah, it's not great. I mean, he's... Not the most major character. <laughs> so Prince Ahmed is uh, very insistent that Jasmine marry him, you know, just like in the movie. She doesn't have a tiger this time around, but what she does have is Jafar. The whole reason... It's weird that Jafar plays the part of the tiger in this episode. It really is weird. And the whole reason the Sultan is pushing Jasmine into the mar- into marriage is because he's afraid of Jafar and he needs someone with an army to fight Jafar. Which is spurious reasoning at best, like
1: I mean he says it's Jafar, but from a socio-political perspective, it's not just Jafar. If he has a large kingdom with no military might, it makes sense that he wants to seal an alliance with a kingdom that can defend itself through marriage to his daughter. That is completely logical, I'm okay with it.
0: But the thing even
1: though she is not a prize to be won.
0: Right. My issue with this is that the sort of threat that Jafar is isn't the sort of threat you fight with an army.
1: No, you need a wizard. He should marry
0: her to a wizard. Yeah, you need someone with magic to stop Jafar. He's not going to raid. He's not going to be attacking your city, at least not in the traditional way. He wouldn't fight you in the way that would require an army to defend you. He would fight you through mind control.
1: And burying your city in sand.
0: Burying your city in sand. Like...
1: Yeah, you can't fight that with swords.
0: He should be trying... Yeah, you're right. He should be trying to find a powerful wizard to marry Jasmine to. Yeah. So Jafar comes in and he's like, Hey, I heard that this was going down. And I just wanted to tell you, you're stupid as hell. And then he turns Prince Ahmed into a screaming staff.
1: Yeah, he turns him into a walking stick, and the the head of the walking stick is Ahmed's screaming head. It's honestly kind of gruesome.
0: It's pretty fucked up, and I'm pretty sure that this is trying to tie into the Wonderland canon. The Once Upon a Time in Wonderland canon.
1: A show which, which I have not watched.
0: Yes, but this is a thing he did in that show.
1: Oh, okay, well that makes total sense then.
0: And... You're gonna love this. You know his snake staff?
1: Yeah. Is it the evil queen?
0: Uh, no. It's actually the woman who taught him magic.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. Is she a naga? Or does she just turn into snakes?
0: I, I honestly don't remember, but uh, she tried turning on him, but he saw it coming. So he turned her into a snake, and uh, now he can use her magical power
1: say makes me really ready to watch once upon a time in wonderland i'll I tell you
0: it's good it's a really solid it's a really solid self-contained story which is something that regular once upon a time definitely is not
1: huh all right well i'm excited to watch that
0: uh he turns prince Ahmed into a snake and he's like y'all y'all other princes can leave i think i've made my point sultan give me your daughter give me your kingdom give me just everything i'm gonna give you some time to you know drop the paperwork for that Jafar out
1: yep yep I mean I know it's bad to be like just marry Jafar because she doesn't want to and she shouldn't marry someone she doesn't want to even though as a royal it's kind of for obligation to marry a guy with an army Mm. but I think the real problem is that I personally just would love to be like a slightly evil but really generally benevolent dictator you know so I'd be like yeah let's do this let's like do this which is by the way is to go back to last week why i so liked the lana lang lex luther relationship in smallville and was so sad that they decided they couldn't do that anymore
0: so back in the enchanted forest in the present uh aladdin is complaining about rowing because he doesn't know where they're going in this boat and also he doesn't know how to swim and this whole thing seems weird and pointless and jasmine's like I don't know if that's fear talking or laziness. It's neither. He raised a bunch of really good points. He doesn't know how to swim. He doesn't know where they're going. What are you doing, Jasmine?
1: Also, the show doesn't answer the what is she doing question. This is the same thing as him grabbing her wrist so that the ring falls out of her pocket. It's to get them to point B, but it doesn't make logical sense. Point B, by the way, is a kraken attacking their rowboat.
0: Yes, a kraken attacks their rowboat so that they can be rescued By the Nautilus.
1: And by Hook being a real asshole.
0: Well, he's separated from Emma, so naturally he has to be an asshole to everyone.
1: Hook is like, get on this ship before you get yourself killed.
0: I also don't get why Nemo was sweating the Kraken so much, because they took it out real easy.
1: Yeah, right? Hook fired one harpoon at it and it ran away.
0: Mm. I guess part of Nemo's thing is avoiding...
1: Krakens? Yeah.
0: Uh, I was gonna say conflict. Oh yeah, that too. Or embracing nonviolent resolutions to conflicts. Yes. So probably killing krakens not great. Although no, they they fought that weird tentacle monster on the when they were tried to recruit Hook the first time around.
1: Well, I think that was a kraken.
0: Then why did they have him say that they were avoiding krakens in this episode?
1: Well, krakens are kind of Nemo's thing.
0: Yeah, it it just seems weird that they're that this episode opens with you know nemo i spend my life running from krakens except for all of those times where we found krakens and Well, because
1: to- they spend their lives chasing him back in back in storybrook emma has decided that she's going to distract herself from her heartbreak over hook by digitizing all of storybrook's archives which is not the worst idea in the world
0: although she should really upgrade their computer system because it's beige beige computers
1: Emma is like, this record-keeping system is terrible. And David's like, well, yeah, it was created by a curse.
0: Also, they've had like three different sheriffs, one of whom was Merida.
1: Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. It
0: was like 10 seconds, but...
1: Emma says, by the way, that she doesn't mind doing this chore because it beats chasing down dwarves.
0: How much crime do the dwarves do?
1: Are the dwarves responsible for a large percentage of the crime in Storybrooke?
0: Again... The main undercurrent of this show is the much more interesting stories going on in the background.
1: Usually going on with the dwarves, honestly.
0: I mean, this show really should just be, uh... About the dwarves? I was gonna say, what was that old show with the whistling and the small town cop and Ron Howard was in it? Andy Griffith. Uh Uh-huh. This show should just be Andy Griffith after the first season
1: where it was about Mayberry instead of being about Andy Griffith and yeah. his family. Yeah, I'm it, with you.
0: It's about a small town cop dealing with the small town problems of a small town, just one that happens to be full of fairy tale people.
1: Okay, so I hate to say this because I feel like you have to choose one side or the other and we made our choice, but I'm pretty sure that's what Grimm is.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: I'm pretty sure if we wanted that we should have chosen Grimm.
0: Uh I don't know, but does Grimm have the costumes that Once Upon a Time has?
1: I I don't know. I haven't watched Grimm
0: point you know, what Karim,
1: you know what i know for fact, grim does not have though what lana paria
0: it's true it does not have lana paria who comes into the sheriff's station and she's like fuck you dave and he's like what did i do and she's like fuck you emma we're going out drinking dave. okay
1: i was legit distracted watching this scene by how great she looks she cut her hair into a bob and her lipstick is so on point and obviously she's always gorgeous but also When did Regina have time to go get a haircut?
0: Well, that's the thing about magic. You can give yourself a makeover whenever you want, including changing hair length.
1: Magic's just great. Magic's
0: great. But she's like, David, you need to go kiss Snow because we're doing a girl's night. He's like, but I've only been awake for like three hours. And she's like, you kept Snow in a coma for like three weeks. Shut the fuck up.
1: Yeah. Yep, she tells him to go home and wake up snow so that the three of them can have a girl's night. Because what heartbroken Emma needs is a girl's night out with her mom and her lover slash step-grandmother.
0: And Emma's like, shouldn't you be, like, I, I need to do actual cop stuff. Like, I do have an actual job in the town. And weren't you trying to break the curse on David and Mary Margaret with the notes the evil queen gave you at the end of the last episode? And Regina's like, Emma fuck them you need a break I need a break we don't have a big bad that I care about right now I mean Gideon whatever like we we need to we need to unwind we're gearing into the big bad final battle soon you need to decompress a little bit she's not wrong yeah
1: on the nautilus hook is back in the main stateroom or whatever it is with Nemo and Jasmine and Aladdin and his brother, Good Liam, and also two crew members. So I was wrong, I guess there are crew members.
0: So, Hook is yelling at Jasmine and Aladdin for ruining his chance to get Kraken's blood.
1: He's being a real jerk. He's like, You ruined everything. Do you know how rare Kraken's are?
0: Apparently, not that rare because they were just rowing in some random lake in the middle of nowhere. I guess it's not a lake because it. It looked like a lake, but I guess it was attached to the ocean. How did he lose the kraken? What? What? And how is it their fault that he lost the kraken? The only reason he knew the kraken was there was because it was attacking their tiny boat.
1: Right? Ugh. Oh. Hook is like, no, I'll never be able to get home. And Jasmine and Aladdin are like, oh, boo-hoo, I wonder what that's like.
0: Yeah. Hook also has this bug up his butt about it. He's like, I need to get back home because... Because Emma's in danger, and Jasmine's like, "Who fucking who? My entire country's in danger,
1: or at least missing." Yeah, it could be safely missing, like the Bottle City of Kandor. Spoiler:
0: mm. Mm. Jasmine reveals that the reason she's you know so driven to find Agrabah is because she blames herself for it being missing because she wasn't able to stand up to Jafar.
1: She's the ruler. If anyone's gonna get blamed, it should be her.
0: Mm. Well, I mean, the Sultan.
1: He's useless.
0: I mean, I guess.
1: Hook, by the way, is just totally selfish, though, because he hears this story, and his response is, Ooh, Jafar can travel between realms. I'll help you, and then I'll just use Jafar to get home and, you know, fuck Nemo.
0: Why is he assuming Jafar can travel between realms? He's
1: heard stories that he can. Wait, I mean, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, right?
0: Yeah, I guess he, yeah, he got to Wonderland, although... This is that thing where we get to, is it harder to go between?
1: It's harder to get to the world without magic than anywhere
0: else. But presumably that's not true now that Storybrooke is like a center of magic in the world without magic.
1: No, I don't think that changed anything. I think it's still hard to get to. Hmm.
0: I was just thinking because Ariel could go there all willy-nilly speaking. But
1: Ariel could always go there.
0: Is there any reason she would go to the world without magic before then? I mean...
1: No, but she al- but she always had the ability to. Like, it's not a new thing that she can go to the world without magic.
0: Was that established? I feel like we've only seen her go to it after Storybrooke was a thing.
1: You're right. We've only seen her go to Storybrooke. We've never seen her travel to the world without magic outside of Storybrooke being a thing. So, you're postulating now. hmm Halfway through the penultimate season of Once Upon a Time. Yes. That... Our complaint about how all of a sudden there are all these things that let you travel between realms when it was supposed to be impossible is actually not a problem at all because once the Dark Curse was cast, it's like there was almost a way station that you could travel to and thus get to the world without magic. So all the things that we've said were problems because there are all these ways to travel between realms are not problems. It's not something Rumpel should have used because he couldn't use it before the establishment of Storybrooke
0: no no it's what it says about rumple's character because all those things i think all of those things could get you to the land without magic but once you were there you were stuck there because there was no magic that could take you back oh okay so he had to use the dark curse because it would allow a magic center to be in the land without magic so that he would have a way to hang on to his power slash
1: so a mermaid could have swum to the world without magic, but then she would be trapped there like Daryl Hannah. Yes. And then she would have to marry Tom Hanks. Eh,
0: there are worse things.
1: Accurate. So, back to the episode. Hook pulls out Nemo's toxic manhunter arrow.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Wait, I made that sound like it's an arrow that he fires at toxic men, which, not opposed to. But no, it's a, it's a little compass that points to toxic men. Anyway, Hook pulls that out and is like, wait. Jafar is super toxic we can find him like this
0: so can it I guess it can find specific toxic men
1: I'll be honest if it can it's pretty useless so I'm okay with that
0: I'm just saying like Nemo's mission was just to find toxic men in general to redeem them Eh. I guess it would just point him everywhere all the time right or is Jafar the most toxic man
1: I don't know we've seen a lot of toxic men in this
0: show Mm. So back in Storybrooke, Emma is putting all of Hook's pirate crap in a pirate chest.
1: Yeah, to get rid of it. She doesn't want to deal with it anymore.
0: I love Henry's just sitting on the couch next to her as she's doing this playing video games.
1: He's playing on his cell phone and he has headphones in with his cell phone. And the caption reads video games over headphones. But I don't actually hear anything coming from the phone. So at some point there was the sound of like angry birds, but that at some point in post they took it out.
0: Mm. That's the fun thing about captions. Yes. So Emma putting all of Hook's stuff away is interrupted by an emergency call. Apparently there's a fight going down in the new bar in town that Regina was telling her about.
1: Oh my God. Regina told her about the bar and we forgot to say what the name of it is.
0: Aesop's Tables.
1: Aesop's Tables.
0: It's great. So, Emma turns to Henry and she's like, I've got to go deal with this emergency. Can you put all of Hook's stuff in my dead slash missing boyfriend shed? And Henry's like, Yeah, whatever.
1: Henry literally says, Whatever. He's being such a teenager this episode.
0: <laughs> it's pretty great and weirdly plot significant.
1: Yeah. So, Emma goes to Aesop's tables. And is like, hey, I heard there was a big bar fight happening. I bet it's these Vikings who are peacefully playing pool over here.
0: Turns out, nope, it's Mary, Margaret, and Regina, and Regina-
1: They're not, they're not having a bar fight. They just called in a false police report to get Emma down there.
0: Also, I guess they're setting up for the Seattle season because this is a total hipster bar.
1: It really, really is. By the way, turns out my favorite snow is two drinks snow.
0: Two-drink Snow is awesome. I love drunk Snow. She should be drunk all the time.
1: Anyway, two-drink Snow is like, have a drink. They're artisanal, which is hipster for strong, as a Portlander can confirm.
0: And Emma's like, how many drinks has she had? And Regina's like, she's had one. And Snow's like, I have a baby and I'm under a sleeping curse. Like, my tolerance is for shit right now.
1: <laughs> right?
0: Which, again, I think this is the most I've liked Snow Season 1 in this show. Drunk, belligerent snow is awesome. So, now that they have tricked Emma into being here on duty, she's going to get drunk on duty because...
1: Oh, please. Like, this town will be less safe if the sheriffs are drunk. Hmm. If anything, it'll just mean they're violating people's personal liberties at a slightly less efficient rate.
0: Uh, Where do you think Will Scarlet is now?
1: Right?! Right?
0: Back on the Nautilus, Hook is continuing his streak of being a giant whiny man baby. Because he's like, Oh, mer murmur, mer Emma, mer murmur. mer I-, I left it on such bad terms and she'll never know how I really feel. And she's in so much danger without me being a giant albatross around her neck all the time. I
1: mean, yeah, whatever. Hook's terrible. But it is kind of a nightmare scenario to have a fight with someone and then storm off. And then go missing and know that they're not looking for you because they assume that you just left.
0: Mm. That is a good point. I mean, I know we sort of brought this up last time, but he has a cell phone.
1: Cell phones don't work in the Enchanted Forest.
0: He could have called her as it was going down. You think Gideon knows what a cell phone is? I
1: don't think you get reception under the water in a tin can. I don't get reception in the stairwell of my building. I certainly don't get reception in a submarine.
0: It has all that communication equipment
1: yeah i don't think that helps cell phones
0: actually why don't they have ways to communicate with
1: well they probably do have a ship to shore radio um but they probably didn't have time to fire that up while they were being sent through the portal
0: and also, now gideon can open portals all willy-nilly
1: no he can't he had to use the nautilus's portal making thing oh, right to open the portal
0: i just feel like In the Enchanted Forest, there are ways he could communicate with... Why didn't he look up Sleeping Beauty and have her use her dream telepathy to communicate with Mary Margaret? He was there for that.
1: Well, I mean, you're coming up with lots of good ways for him to communicate to people in the Enchanted Forest. But the fact is, he is in the Enchanted Forest for less than 12 hours when, spoilers for the end of this episode, he comes up with a way to communicate, so...
0: point. Back in the flashback, Jasmine is wandering around the marketplace trying to figure out what to do about the whole Jafar situation.
1: Now, the period of time of this flashback, by the way, is after all of her stuff with Aladdin and after Aladdin left. So she has already met Aladdin. He saved her once and now he's gone.
0: She is looking for him because he was the one who kicked Jafar's ass last time. And she's kind of hoping that he's still going around stealing stuff.
1: Well, I mean, she sees a person who is a thief and is like, oh, it must be Aladdin.
0: Agrabah must have some issues if crime is this rampant. She's been in this market for like 10 seconds. So she assumes the very, very clearly feminine figure is Aladdin.
1: But it is not. It is, it is in fact, Ariel, who was stealing a fork because it's Ariel.
0: <laughs> you did not need that fork, Ariel.
1: She's a mermaid. She doesn't understand money.
0: Remember that one time she stabbed Regina in the neck with a fork?
1: Oh my god, I'd forgotten that. That was the best. The shopkeep decides that instead of turning her into a literal rat, as was done with Aladdin in the previous episode about Agrabah.
0: Well, not aladdin The Other thieves.
1: Right, Aladdin was spared, but that's, that's yeah. that was the punishment for thieves. Anyway, instead of doing that, he just decides he's going to take her necklace, which is definitely worth far more than the fork, but whatever, I guess crime doesn't pay. But you'll remember the necklace is the thing that turns her fins into legs. So now she turns into a mermaid and the shopkeeper's is like, what the fuck is even happening?
0: I thought it was a bracelet that turned her into a mermaid.
1: It was a bracelet that turned her into a mermaid eventually. But this is the this is in the time period where she stole this from her father's hold.
0: Right. Right. Okay. Complaint retracted. So he's like, what the fuck is going on here? And Jasmine shows up and she's like, OK, look, I'm going to pay for what she stole. Just give her the necklace back. She acts like the guy's in the wrong here. But I mean, he is a small business owner defending his small business from thieves.
1: Honestly, it's capitalism that's at fault here.
0: Yeah. So if, if you're so angry at capitalism, Jasmine, you are the person who is in the position to change things in your kingdom.
1: Anyway, she gives Ariel her necklace back and Ariel's like, okay, thanks for saving me. I'm off to find Prince Eric. And Jasmine is like, wait, does your prince have an army? He should come here and kill Jafar for me. This is another weird getting from point A to point B thing where the voyage doesn't make a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, because Ariel and Eric have met once at this point. Ariel's just trying to find Eric in Agrabah to see if they can strike up a relationship so jasmine being like hey does this prince you're looking for have an army do you think he would be willing to loan the army to me to fight a sorcerer and ariel's like fuck if i know i met the guy once
1: I, uh, anyways this is how we get to point b which is a flying carpet
0: this is a terrible scene i do kind of love it because ariel's like like i've been looking but i can't find him anywhere And Jasmine's like, ooh, I have an idea. Are you afraid of heights? And Ariel's like, what's heights?
1: Right? And then when they're on the carpet, Ariel says, if this is what heights are, yes, I'm afraid of them.
0: (laughs) God, Ariel's great.
1: No, this scene is shot like GoPro style from the point of view of the carpet. And there's weird ADR over it of Jasmine and Ariel commenting on what they see as the carpet flies through a cityscape. Whenever... That setup happens in a TV show or a movie. It just feels so much like a theme park ride to me.
0: Oh, yeah. This looks like nothing more than a roller coaster.
1: I'm just totally bumped. I feel like I'm on the Back to the Future simulator ride, which doesn't exist anymore. Oh. Well, it's The Simpsons right now.
0: Oh. This effect is hella bad. One of the things that really-
1: Terrible f- green screen.
0: Terrible. One of the things that really frustrates me about this episode- is that when you say the things that happen in it, it sounds like something I would genuinely enjoy, but the execution is just so bad. If you're like, oh, here's a story where Ariel and Jasmine team up, I'd be like, yeah, all in that. But nope. If you said later, Ariel has a tiny seaside cottage full of fork-themed death traps, Ah! I would be super into that, but the execution's just so bad. So, this is just really awful green screen. They're supposed to be zooming through the city, but, like, Ariel's hair is barely moving.
1: Ariel is also using a telescope to look for Eric while they're zooming around, which is a great way to get airsick.
0: Yeah, and I can't imagine it would be that effective at seeing people. Well,
1: apparently it is, because she's like, oh, there he is! Let's land!
0: I guess it makes sense to go airborne to get a better view of Agrabah as a whole, but... A lot of agribas inside slash under canopies.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I feel like you might have better luck just wandering around on foot.
1: Yeah, I think that's an accurate statement. So back on the Nautilus in the present, Hook is like charting a path with the compass that points him towards toxic
0: Jafar. And Aladdin's like, hey, is Jasmine around? I, I kind of need to talk to her about, you know.
1: Our awkward relationship stuff.
0: And Hook's like, I don't have time for your bullshit relationship stuff. I have bullshit relationship stuff I need to sort out. Also, just the phrasing of this. Look, this harpoon is taking us to a scary reef that may or may not contain an evil sorcerer.
1: Okay, Hook, there's no such thing as a scary reef.
0: It's a scary reef, y'all.
1: If anything is scary... It's the way that humankind has decimated this underwater habitat. But the reef itself is not something to be afraid of.
0: It's a scary reef.
1: God damn it, Hook.
0: So Aladdin kind of just hangs around awkwardly.
1: He literally says, When you talked to Jasmine, did she say anything about me?
0: And Hook says, For two people in love, you have terrible communication skills. And Alan's like, oh, this man who clearly knows how relationships work thinks we're in love. Clearly, this is something I need to capitalize on. Oh, my God. But this horribly awkward conversation is interrupted by the submarine kerploding.
1: Yeah, Nemo comes in and is like, that kraken, you know, the one that didn't even touch our ship and was scared away by a single harpoon, apparently did touch our ship, and we took damage so bad that even though we are a submarine that frequently encounters sea life, we can't take it, and we're sinking.
0: We're all gonna die, everyone, make your peace with whatever god you have.
1: And Jasmine is like, hey, how about if instead we don't die?
0: And she pulls out the lamp and she's like, I can just wish us... Onto the reef, and Lon's like, No, but wishes have you know consequences. And she's like, But if I don't make a wish, we're all gonna die.
1: Death is a pretty big consequence,
0: y'all. You know what that really weirdly reminds me of? What Jean gray's origin as Phoenix they're in the damaged space station, and there's like the damaged spaceship is the only way to get back to Earth. So Jean's like, Okay, what I'm gonna do is I'm going to absorb. I'm going to telepathically absorb the knowledge of how to fly the space shuttle from one of the astronauts. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to create a telekinetic shield to keep the radiation out as we go back into the atmosphere because the life support is damaged, but I'll be able to fly the ship. And Cyclops is like, no, you can't do that. You're going to die. And she's like, well, we're all going to die if I don't do anything. I might not die if I do this And I'm pretty sure that even if I do die, I can survive long enough to get the rest of you down to Earth. And he's like, no, I won't let you risk your life.
1: Fuck Cyclops. I mean, not really, but seriously.
0: I mean, she's still gonna die, dude, if you don't try this.
1: It's like the end of Cabin in the Woods. You can die for them, or you could die with them. Spoilers for the end of Cabin in the Woods, by the way.
0: So anyway, back, back to Once Upon a Time. In the bar... Regina's trying to get Emma to open up by getting her drunk, and Emma's like, open up about what? Like, hook left, I'm sad. This is as open as I get. Like, there's nothing deeper here. I could cry, but honestly, I'm just numb at this point.
1: Well, you know, I feel for Regina here. She's like, I want to take care of you as a friend, but you're in, like, some sort of numb stage right now, and I don't know what to do with you being numb. Do you want to cry, or do you want to beat people up? I could deal with either of those things.
0: (laughs) And Emma's like, I don't want to do anything.
1: Well, Snow White thinks that what she needs to do is beat people up. So Snow takes it upon herself to make fun of the Vikings.
0: Well, no, she calls them out because they're leaving without pay. But
1: they're not. They're just standing there by the pool table. And she makes fun of their
0: helmets. She makes fun of their helmets. And then she steals a knife from one of them and throws it into the dartboard. And she's like, hey, you fucking horn hat motherfuckers. Why don't, why don't we have a contest where whoever is better at throwing knives pays the other person's tab. She's two beers deep at this point.
1: Two drinks snow is awesome.
0: And Emma's like, actually, let's deal with this. Like, emotional stuff is boring. Let's deal with this.
1: Feelings are dumb. Knives are awesome. Emma Swan.
0: Uh, so meanwhile, the genie wish works. And Aladdin's like, okay, so we're all safe and alive. Uh, What are are the consequences?
1: And Nemo is like, the consequences are that I'm a terrible captain who was supposed to go down with my ship. And now I didn't do that. So I'm just going to wander around sad for the rest of my life. And Aladdin's like, all right, we got off easy. (laughs) Also, this is one of those points where none of the crew are visible here. But I have to assume Aladdin also saved the crew. Otherwise, he's kind of a dick.
0: Well, no, because Nemo comes up and he's like, my crew are all right over there off screen. I'm afraid that we're going to have to spend our time rebuilding the Nautilus, which I guess is also teleported right over there off screen. So we're going to be rebuilding the Nautilus. You deal with Jafar on your own. Good luck. So GL is like, hey, Hook, like, were we supposed to have a character moment here or something? Because it feels like, they were setting us up as having a brother relationship and then I disappeared for a bunch of episodes. Are are we supposed to be resolving an emotional arc here? And Hook's like, I guess maybe. Let's let's hug each other, brother. And GL's like, Okay. Emotional arc resolved, I guess. Bye. Yeah.
1: We've had so many Hook episodes this year already, Max. They resolved GL. Now they just need to remind us that they resolved GL.
0: I mean, this is really the episode that's resolving unresolved plot Hooks, so that was not intentional.
1: So Jasmine, Aladdin, and Hook go off to find Jafar, and they find what Hook calls an off-season tiki bar. First of all, tiki bars are always in season. It's an island cabin. It is an island getaway.
0: There are tiki torches, which is an interesting... uh,
1: And a thatch roof
0: that doesn't seem like it mixes well (laughs) that is a good point they enter this cabin which boy this is barely constructed like you can see through the walls
1: well you know
0: i guess if it's tropical weather
1: yeah you just want to keep the sun off mostly and hook is like what is this place all i see are like gadgets and gizmos aplenty (laughs) and who's it's and what's it's galore And also, by the way, that powder that Jafar used to turn that one guy into a walking stick.
0: I love Aladdin so much in this because Hook's like, I've I've broken into sorcerer's lairs before. You need to be careful of traps and Aladdin's like, you mean like that one? And he points at this giant fork ball, which swings from the ceiling and nearly impales Hook and Jasmine.
1: Okay, you said fork ball and I feel like you're not selling it properly. It is a giant melon that has forks sticking out of it. That is on, like, a home alone zip line and swings down to theoretically impale intruders. Hook and Jasmine jump out of the way, but even if they hadn't, I can't imagine that thing doing that much damage. It's forks. Forks.
0: It's great. And I love Aladdin so much. He's so casual. So... Ariel shows up and she's like, oh, hey, this is the cabin that I hang out with when Eric's too busy doing print stuff to pay attention to me.
1: Yeah. And by the way, she comes in and she's like, oh, hey, it's Jasmine. And also Hook, who I know in an entirely different context. And also some dude that I don't know.
0: Aladdin's like, hey, that uh, that trap of yours was terrifyingly effective. Which seems like it's- It
1: demonstrably uh, was not effective.
0: You very casually pointed it out, and they very casually stepped out of its way.
1: And as I said, even if they hadn't, I don't think it would have done that much damage.
0: Like, they would have been mildly punctured, maybe? (laughs) So, one of the things I really like about Aladdin in this episode is- And it's all the actor, which I know is true about most things, but he seems like he's having so much fun-
1: Yeah, he does seem to be enjoying this script, which is necessary if you are on Once Upon a Time. You have to take your pleasures in the script where you can.
0: It's sort of weird because it's a thing we normally see with evil characters, but he's just having a lot of fun being campy.
1: Interesting. Interesting how usually a thing we see with evil characters is being played out with Aladdin.
0: There's nothing deeper there.
1: I know, but I just want to... Plug my conspiracy theory that Jay from Descendants is actually Aladdin's son and not Jafar's son. I
0: mean, because that would make sense?
1: He's a thief!
0: Speaking of Descendants, we just saw a gift set from the upcoming Descendants 3, and we are psyched as hell. Did they get more money for this one? Like, the special effects look not terrible.
1: No, let's be fair, we, si- we saw a single gift set. True. If you want us to reach our first stretch goal, and here are... Our- podcast about the descendants uh you can donate to our patreon you can go to our website scenes and click on our patreon link
0: we're just i i know we're pushing it a lot but we are psyched as hell to talk about the descendants i
1: have so many feelings about descendants back in the flashback ariel and jasmine land in the middle of some like camp some encampment
0: and ariel describes the magic carpet ride as An interesting thing that I'm never doing again.
1: Yeah, David Foster Wallace reference in Once Upon a Time.
0: Weird, but okay. So Jasmine talks about how romantic Ariel's story is, a mermaid who meets a prince at a ball. And she says it's like something out of Scheherazade.
1: Okay, I mentioned before in a previous Aladdin episode how much it bothers me When Jasmine references Scheherazade, since Scheherazade is the character in the frame story of A Thousand and One Arabian Nights, which is, of course, where the Aladdin story is
0: from. I had a theory about this. Yes. uh, Which is that Scheherazade is actually an author.
1: I like that theory. I like that theory a lot, actually.
0: An author who is, you know, upfront about inserting herself into her stories. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily, but like if she was an author and she was just public with, yeah, this is a thing that I'm doing.
1: Well, if she was an author and in her book she wrote a frame story around the stories she was writing. Yeah. I would be so into a Once Upon a Time spinoff that was The Tales of Scheherazade.
0: I sort of think that the soft reboot should have just been, since it's all focused, since Henry's the main character of the soft reboot, it should have been all about authors interacting with other authors. Because it's about him dealing with different incarnations of stories.
1: Oh, see, that's interesting. I was going to say authors don't really interact because the the pen gets passed down from author to author. But yeah, if there are different stories in different dimensions, then they must have different authors. Yeah, kind of a multiverse story.
0: Yeah. So Jasmine's thing is, she talks about how romantic Ariel's story is and how she missed her chance for romance with the savior, because she was super into Aladdin, but her kingdom always came first. She never had time for him.
1: That's bullshit, by the way. That is some that is some woman-hating rom-com bullshit. Oh, I was too busy with my job, and I didn't make time for love. Oh, fuck that forever.
0: Also, it seems like you would have been working with Aladdin a lot for your job. He's the savior of the kingdom that you're in.
1: That you're the ruler of or will be soon when your incompetent father dies. Yeah.
0: It's kind of like, I mean, it, it's kind of like when Mary Margaret was the mayor and she was married to the sheriff. Like. Yeah. That's the situation.
1: So Ariel goes into Eric's tent and is like, hey, Eric, who's, by the way, not an actor cute enough to be playing Eric.
0: We kind of talked this a little bit to death uh, when he was first introduced. He's dollar store Danny Strong. He's generic Danny Strong. Star brand, Danny Strong.
1: Anyway, Ariel's like, hey, I tracked you down. The reason I didn't meet you before is because I'm a mermaid and I thought that would freak you out. And also I don't do well in the desert. But here I am now. Are you cool with it?
0: And he's okay. At first, we're like, oh, my God, he's so awful because he's like, oh, you're a mermaid. I'm totally cool with that. I was bored with regular girls. And we we're like, uh." and he's like, besides, I love mermaids, especially poached. And we're like, "Uh," but then it turned out it was Jafar in disguise
1: yes yes it turns out that it is not in fact eric but jafar which is just point b without any explanation of how we got there because jafar has been secret i guess he's a wizard i guess he could secretly be following them and find out what they were doing just to show up and do this taunting thing to them (sighs) seems like a lot of work honestly
0: yeah i don't again i don't get why he's doing this and he's like by the way You only have ten minutes to decide now.
1: Well, because he told her she had until sundown to agree to marry him. And even though the sun appears to be bright in the sky, he tells her that sundown is in ten minutes.
0: Yeah, he has magic. The sun goes down when I say it goes down. It's
1: Mr. Burns over here.
0: Owls will deafen us with incessant hooting.
1: So in the present, they're trying to figure out why the compass led them here to Ariel's museum of oddities
0: mm-hmm.
1: and ariel realizes that it is pointing at a lamp
0: yes the one thing in her collection that looks vaguely agrabian
1: yeah agrabian and it's uh it-
0: sorry
1: sorry i said a lamp but it's really more of a vase it's a vase
0: i think that this and again i feel like this is how the wonderland season ended with him becoming a genie and being trapped in a vase it's been so long since I saw it.
1: Anyway, this vase, or possibly urn, or whatever, Jasmine uncorks it, and Jafar appears, and he does the genie, Master, your wish is my." and then he sees who it is, and he's like, oh,
0: fuck. And it's pretty great, because Jasmine's like, oh, if he's a genie, this is awesome. We can just make him do whatever we want. And he poofs out of the lamp, and he's like, yeah, I knew magic before becoming a genie, so... He just kind of casually flings the bracelets off.
1: Yeah, he's... Uh, no explanation for why the the wrist cuffs don't work on him. They worked on him in the animated movie.
0: Because he already knew Matt, I don't know. He knew
1: magic in the animated movie.
0: Jasmine's like, It doesn't matter. You're still surrounded by heroes. Heroes who can help me defeat you. And he waves his hand at them and they all pass out.
1: Oh, yes. That's my favorite spell. So, back in the past... Uh, Jasmine and Ariel are just sitting, talking through the next 10 minutes before sunset, lamenting about how there's nothing left to do now.
0: I feel so awkward for- They're sitting around a fire with these three dudes. I'm like, I feel bad for these three dudes because this is a lot of stuff to just kind of get dropped on you.
1: Yeah, this is the most awkward next couch over coffee shop conversation ever. So Jafar shows up and he's like, all right, well, I'm going to ban your friend back to the sea and demand that you marry me.
0: I mean, honestly, it's kind of nice of him to do that and not, like, bamfer into a volcano.
1: Yeah, it's true. So she agrees to marry him, and she gives him the ring, the ring that was going to be her dowry or whatever, and then, and then he tries to put it on symbolically, but the ring is clearly far too small for the actor, so he just kind of, like, balls up his hand.
0: And he's like, you giant giant idiot he calls her well he says you stupid vain woman and she's like what and he's like i never wanted to marry you why would you think that i'd want to marry you and you know rule over this crap shack kingdom she's like well you said you wanted to marry me how is it vain that i assumed that
1: also i didn't think you were like in love with me i thought you wanted to be in charge lots of people want to be in charge that's not a weird stretch of the imagination
0: It turns out that the jewel in the ring that is her dowry is actually a magic jewel that had a protection spell all around Agrabah to stop sorcerers from doing shit like turning it to stone or dust or...
1: This would have been a good piece of knowledge for her as the princess of Agrabah to have had. Yeah. Also, maybe the king shouldn't have used it as her dowry, although I guess if whoever married her was going to become... Sultan of Agrabah, that makes sense. Whatever. Anyway, now that he has the ring, Jafar makes Agrabah disappear. And because he didn't want to marry her, we don't have to worry about how she defeated him then. She didn't, she just walked away.
0: Yeah, he's like, look, I fucking hate Agrabah. I grew up here. Everyone there is a dick. I didn't want to marry you. I just wanted to fuck over the people of Agrabah. And now I've done that. Bye.
1: Yeah. In the present, no longer Genie Jafar is still taunting Jasmine. He's like, um, maybe next time you should bring better heroes. Like, a mermaid? And a pirate,
0: really? A broken ex-savior. I'm like, Aladdin's a genie, though. Like, shouldn't he be immune to, or at least resistant to magic? Eh. I have questions here. Eh, we're so close to the end. He starts shit-talking Aladdin. He's like, he's a broken man. You should have seen him the last time I saw him. He was crying and he was hanging out with an ocular little girl we never got a really good reason for why it was in the plot
1: oh yeah i forgot about that
0: yeah an ocular little girl who could turn into a bird
1: sure why not anyway jasmine's like they're real heroes even though her point is undercut by the fact that they are laying down behind her and she demands to know where agrabah is and he's like um, duh, they're inside the ring.
0: He says, they're right at your fingertips. And she's like, oh, the ring. The first wish did work. But why did it teleport us to the Enchanted Forest? And Jafar's like, uh. I mean, Jasmine doesn't ask that, but I feel like it is a legitimate question. Right? Why did it teleport? Was that the price? Was that they had to be in the Enchanted Forest?
1: I mean, uh, it, it really makes no sense.
0: So... He demands that she give him the ring and she's like, yeah, no, you know what? I realized that I don't actually need, I don't need Aladdin. I don't need an army. I can take you out myself using, you know, that magic dust I saw you use on that one dude to turn him into a staff.
1: Yeah. She throws it on the ground um, at his feet and the bottle does not shatter. So it just lands at his feet. Honestly, it's a really funny moment and he... He laughs at her and advances on her, but then I guess she had more in her hand.
0: Yeah, it turns out she had poured a little bit of the dust into her hand, which you think would have turned her into a staff, but...
1: Whatever. Whatever gets us to the end of this episode, Max.
0: So she throws the dust in her free hand into Jafar's face and turns him into a screaming staff?
1: Sure. And then she gets to be all badass and be like, I'm Jasmine of Agrabah, and now I know how to get my city back. Which is way more badass than this episode deserves.
0: Again, there are so many things in this episode that should be cool but aren't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But we can't see her get her city back yet. First, we have to go back to Storybrooke. Where Emma is drinking at the bar and noticing that all of the artisanal drinks are named after Aesop's fables. So you've got the fox and the grapes.
0: And uh, his personal favorite, the ant and the grasshopper.
1: Which I feel like is probably just a grasshopper.
0: Yeah. But the bartender's kind of hot, so she's like, So, my dumbass pirate boyfriend left. You're stubbly and have eyeliner. What's up with you?
1: Yeah, what's your deal? And he tells her that his deal is that... He was a writer, but he could only write cliche animal stories, which you're Aesop, so they weren't cliche animal stories. They're the er animal story, but whatever. He says he could only write cliche animal stories because his story was too basic. He loved a woman that didn't love him back. He's just a basic bitch.
0: He was so basic that he felt the need to flee to the land of untold stories. Yep. And now he's here.
1: Yeah. That's... That's the dumbest backstory.
0: <laughs> to be fair, it's not his real backstory.
1: Right, right.
0: Or maybe it is. I have a lot of questions at the end of the episode, including whether or not the death clock went off.
1: I was wondering that as well. Yes, the a- Aesop, the bartender slash fabulist is is black.
0: And his tale of basicness was...
1: So sad that it made Emma tear up. So he gave her a co- so he gives her a cocktail napkin which she uses to dry her tears and then leaves on the bar.
0: Honest to God, Emma.
1: It's like it's your first day in a fairy tale.
0: Don't leave your fucking tears lying around.
1: I mean, really.
0: You read the mode series, right?
1: I did read the mode series.
0: You remember uh, the main guy had that like handkerchief he had to use for everything because he's like I can't leave like, oh, yeah. like in elementary school and the dimension I come from, you learn like everyone has one of these handkerchiefs because you can't leave tears, sweat, or hair around. There's nothing you can do about hair, but...
1: Right, because everything that they... Because magic in his realm is all sympathetic magic. So if you have the the fluid, the solid and the air of another person, then you can control them. hmm Yeah.
0: So jasmine brings everyone outside of ariel's uh, hut. hut yeah outside of ariel's hut because she's figured out what she needs to do and uh alan's like so are you gonna loot are you gonna use the last wish because you know it's cool with me and she's like no no i'm gonna use the last wish to make you not a genie anymore but i've realized that the kingdom being trapped in this ring is a curse and you know what breaks curses most of the time? True love's kiss.
1: No. No, this doesn't make any sense. Why would why would Jasmine and Aladdin's true love break the curse on the city of Agrabah?
0: They'd have to make out with the city.
1: That doesn't make any s- whatever. It's whatever it gets us there.
0: So, the two of them kiss and the little rainbow effect. I do kind of like that it hits the ring. Yeah. So I guess if you're just around a curse and you have True Love's Kiss, you can do the little rainbow effect True Love kiss and break any surrounding curses.
1: <laughs> yeah, apparently True Love's Kiss is an area effect sp- curse breaker. <laughs> so, anyway, all of a sudden everybody's transported back to Agrabah. Aladdin is no longer a genie and everyone lives happily ever after. Ariel tries to steal the ring because she likes shiny things.
0: Yeah. But Aladdin, I kind of like how Aladdin's like, cool, well, that wraps up all of our subplots. Fuck you, white people, and wanders off with Jasmine.
1: Yep. Hook takes the, uh, Hook takes the Jafar walking staff and puts it with a bunch of other walking staffs in a marketplace that's selling walking staffs. I'm sure that will not come back in a hundred years to haunt someone terribly.
0: Also... Like, the people of Agrabah seem completely unaffected by their time trapped in a ring. Were they frozen during that? Oh, they
1: must have been frozen, because everybody seems completely unaware that anything has happened.
0: Also, uh, when Agrabah reconstituted, it reconstituted in wherever Agrabah is. It didn't just... It
1: didn't crush the reef. (laughs) As far as you know, it could have.
0: It's possible. Ariel says that as soon as she finds any body of water, she'll just you know, mermaid teleport her way back to the reef.
1: Yeah, yeah. She She said she's going to go to the Gulf of Agrabah.
0: She does not offer to bring Hook back to Storybrooke.
1: I know, I was surprised.
0: Or, you know, to deliver a message.
1: No, but what she does do is give him a shell that he can use to communicate. It's a shell phone.
0: Which is a joke Hook makes.
1: And it turns out Hook has a similar shell in his chest of stuff.
0: Well, you remember it from uh, the Bell episode.
1: Yes, it's not a contrivance. He actually does have such a shell.
0: I honestly think it would have been a better move to just ask Ariel to deliver a message because there's no way he knows that Emma's within hearing range of that shell.
1: Honestly, yeah. And Ariel's delivered messages for them before. And Eric's off on his business trip. I'm sure she would welcome the distraction.
0: But instead, Emma comes home and she sees Henry sitting on the same spot on the couch, still playing on his phone. And she's like, did did you bring the pirate chest to the garage? And he's like, ooh, I could lie about this, but it's literally right in front of me. Sorry, I forgot. And she's like, it's fine. I'll just do it.
1: He's like, mom, Angry Birds is addictive. So she takes the chest and starts to walk it out to the shed when she hears Hook's voice coming from inside of it. So she opens it up and brings out the shell and Hook is like, Hey, this is a one-way communication, so I hope this is reaching you at the exact moment that you're standing next to my chest. But, uh, I didn't mean to leave. Gideon fucking kidnapped me. Sorry.
0: (laughs) He kidnapped me, but I'm trying to find my way back. I love you. Emma just listens to this. She doesn't try talking back to him.
1: Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why everyone knows it's one way. It seems like it should be two ways.
0: Well, when she tries talking back to him, Aesop shows up and he says... Oh, he can't hear you as long as I have the tears of the savior.
1: Okay, so apparently having the tears of the savior means that her magic doesn't work?
0: Or no, because shocker, it's not actually Aesop. It's Gideon who took Aesop's... Did he take Aesop's place? Is, or was
1: there never an Aesop? Was
0: there never an Aesop? Did he kill oh Aesop and god. take his place? Oh or? my god, oh
1: my god. Now I'm imagining that there was never an Aesop and that Gideon was like, All right, here's my plan. My plan is I'm going to disguise myself as someone else. Then I'm going to get a liquor license. Then I'm going to buy a building, hire a staff, craft several artisanal drinks. Wait until my bar is so popular that Emma stops in, tell her a story so sad that she cries... Then, steal her tears, go back to her place, reveal to her that I was Gideon the whole time, and then ask her, a woman whose job title is literally Savior, to help me save people. You know what? I feel like there were some extra unneeded steps in there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we don't know if the death clock went off, or if the death clock even applies in this situation. Was was Aesop a real person? Is he still okay? Is he okay if he is a real person? I guess Gideon isn't super into murdering unnecessary people, so if he is a real person, he's probably fine. I. uh, But...
1: You know what? I'm going to assume that he is a real person and that he's fine because I want to at this point.
0: Yes. So Gideon tells Emma that he has used her tears to craft a spell that will stop Hook from being able to communicate with her or use a portal to come back to Storybrooke. He he apparently savior your tears are the key to stopping portals to Storybrooke.
1: That makes sense since her kiss is what broke the curse.
0: I guess, yeah, I, I guess I can see it. But he's like, I realized that I needed your power to stop the Black Fairy and I thought I could do that by taking it from you. But instead...
1: I'm just going to ask you to help me.
0: But instead, since apparently I can't kill you, I'm just going to ask you to help me to help me kill the Black Fairy.
1: Also, the show does one of those, like, mystery show flashbacks where we see Emma wiping her tears so that we know where he got the bar napkin. As though that scene didn't happen two minutes ago! This show is really not trusting us at all.
0: Seriously, and... Why was this not your initial plan?
1: Weren't we complaining about that four episodes ago that that was not his initial plan?
0: Yeah, and why are you taking all of these extra steps? Her job is the savior. She fight. well, she doesn't normally kill the big bad, normally Rumpelstiltskin kills the big bad, but why did you do the whole attempting to kill her and steal her magic thing?
1: Why? Just why?
0: What was the benefit of that? It's-
1: I... it's- it's stupid, let's move on.
0: Well, I mean, that's the end of the episode, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess let's move on to our segments.
0: For Fashion Corner, I have literally nothing.
1: Oh, I like Jasmine's Agrabah outfit.
0: I like her, I liked it. I feel like it's the one we've seen before.
1: It definitely is, but it's so pretty. It's, uh, but it's so pretty. It's blue and gold and I'm just a fan.
0: And, God, nothing Ariel wore jumped out at me.
1: Ariel's outfits were very, like, flowy, aging hippie.
0: It was a weird aesthetic choice.
1: It definitely was. So let's talk about recommendations.
0: All right, I believe you were champing at the bit.
1: Ah, uh, no, I wanted to recommend the Star Kid musical Twisted, which is available on YouTube and is amazing. It's basically Ah uh, Aladdin from the point of view
0: of Jafar. It's basically Wicked starring Jafar instead of the Wicked Witch of the West.
1: It's incredible. It's genuinely good. It seems like a joke, but it legit makes me cry. I know that's not saying a lot, but it does.
0: It is really good, and it's for free on YouTube.
1: I mean, what what more could you ask for?
0: This is so tangential, and my reasoning is so shaky. Go for it. But I'm going to recommend Stardust. Yes. Just because of- Because
1: there are pirates?
0: Because there are pirates. Because there are sky pirates and the crew is all about subverting subvert uh, is all about subverting toxic masculinity. Okay, I think
1: or- I feel like you got there.
0: The movie does do some really interesting things with the captain and gender and sort of the role masculinity plays in certain professions.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Parts of it may not have aged great, but it's also still a really supportive message.
1: All right. So your recommendation is Stardust, either the movie or the book written by Neil Gaiman? Yes. All right. Stardust.
0: The movie with... Oh God.
1: With Robert De Niro with, and Claire Danes?
0: With Robert De Niro and Claire Danes and Daredevil. Charlie Cox? Yes, Charlie Cox.
1: Not Ben Affleck?
0: Not Ben Affleck.
1: So I think that wraps us up for this week.
0: I think that'll about do it.
1: Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you could go to our website, www.ilovetelevisionzines, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan.
0: If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show.
1: If you want to talk about this episode, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ilovetelevisionzines.
0: We can also be contacted at I love TV zines on Twitter or at I love television zines at gmail.com.
1: So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybro. <laughs>